Ciao. Ciao. Hey, don't hang up. This is Jello Ciao Ciao, the all Jello show. If you even think of hanging up or leaving the room for a scotch, we will murder you. Now listen, Great Creeperson and the Phantom Eric and Chris want to take you on a ride through dark alleys and bright rooms, long stairways, and backstage at the art gallery. If you want to live, you'll don your black gloves and join them for the ride. Ciao, ciao, everybody, and welcome to another live video episode of Jello Chow Chow, the All Jello Show. I'm Creep. This is Eric. Hello. And this is Chris. Hi. <laughs> and um, tonight we're going to do The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears. We're also going to be going over the listener top ten. Yeah. And we're also going to let you know which order the next movies are going to be in. And we're also going to tell you other stuff, I'm sure. So how are you guys doing? That's too much stuff to do in one night. Yeah, that, that's that's a full load. Oh. Yeah. Especially, well, this movie will take us about 12 minutes to get through. If we're just going to talk about the plot. Not if you've seen my notes. Not if you know my brain. Oh, jeez. I know, this was like... You guys talking about curtains and linoleum flooring times a thousand. So I'm prepared <laughs> for that. <laughs> hey, it was your pick, so... Got excited. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, I should be grateful because I think I was getting some shit or some flack for this. It might have been a good fun last, last time we talked, but... Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what you guys think about it, what our listeners think about the movie, but um, as for myself, you know, just <laughs> along, not doing a whole lot. Not very interesting. I did break up a fight in downtown Minneapolis tonight. Shut up. Tonight? Yeah. How did that go? I was on my way to my bus after work, and this How guy kind of... How most start? Go ahead. Yep. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I was listening to some giallo music in my headphones just to complete the mood. And this guy kind of, he wanted to rush through the yellow light, but then when he got to the other side of the street, he was basically blocking the crosswalk, which didn't, uh, didn't please one fellow who kicked the guy's car. And the guy came hurling out of his, his vehicle and uh, at top speed, and he just collided with a guy with his hands out, shoving him away, yelling all kinds of profanities and expletives at him. 
And the guy that kicked the car actually, uh, he was he looked to be mentally handicapped, which was kind of sad. Mm. He was just getting shoved around and pushed around. He didn't really know how to react, so he was kind of shoving back, but not really saying anything. And everyone was kind of just standing around gawking, and I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I have to do something here. The guy's like not, he's a little slow and, and uh, not able to defend himself well. So I got in the middle. I'm like half the size of both these guys. But uh, luckily they ba they basically just thought I was like this gnat or this fly in the area. And they're just ignoring me. But I finally was able to get the, the guy who kicked the car away and, and pulled him to the side of the street. And... The guy just kept shouting and yelling profanities. So he didn't know how to react, so he was kind of shoving back, but not really saying Mute that, anything. Chris. And oh, yeah, look at that. Standing around gawking. Wow, I must be like five minutes behind on that. Um, was the car a nice car? No, it was like a Pontiac. Flame red. <laughs> yeah. It already had a couple dents in it, so he probably couldn't distinguish what had happened to it, but. This guy, he just he must have just hated his life and what he's done to it and had to go pick on a poor guy. I mean, the guy did kick his car, but he, he should have known that he was picking a fight with, you know, someone he shouldn't have been. You never hear people say Pontiac anymore, do you? <laughs> you stop making them, man. Isn't it weird? Like, no, they still make, like, what is it, like the Grand, Grand Am or... Don't, don't they, they make, make any? They, I don't oh, think they, they make any Pontiacs anymore. I think they shut down. Huh. It's like talking Such about a Mercury. weird... Weird word to say over and over again. Pontiac. Pontiac. Pontiac, Michigan. The Pontiac Superdome. <laughs> Silverdome. Which WrestleMania happened there? Three. The one that uh, <laughs> got erased from memory. Completely <laughs> guessing. Was it really three? Wasn't that yeah. the one with Mr. T? No, oh, no I'm thinking Rocky, that's Rocky Man, 3, I'm sorry. That's Rocky 3. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's when they set the all-time indoor attendance record at 93,000 plus, brother. We, we can't talk about that event anymore after what happened. Yeah. I know, I'm sorry. Been erased from history. I don't know what happened. <sighs> hey, how do I um, change it so that I'm looking at whoever's talking currently? Anybody know? I don't know if you can do that. I think that's just the thing I that happens. Okay. Well, um, full screen. But anyway, um, just so everybody knows who's watching, if you would like to comment or chat, please use the question and answer button thingy or the Q and A thing located somewhere near the video. I don't know exactly where it would be on your screen. It's but um, on my screen, it's here and it goes here. I don't know if it's like that on a viewer's screen. It could be here, or it could be here. It might be blue. But if you comment anywhere else, we're not going to see it. And if you're just tuning so. in, Chris was actually pointing at something on his screen. He wasn't simulating anything that was going on <laughs> at his house prior to this show. You know, it's funny. We can't even drop, like, like, sound bites from this film because it was in French, and there was probably, like three sentences of dialogue in the whole film anyway. Yeah. Oh, there were so many more than that. Was there? There really was. I I found myself reading a great deal when this movie was on. Well, let's, let's not spoil too much. Because I've got lots hey, of what things you, 
talk about. What do you want to jump into first? You want to jump into the listener top 10? Oh, wait, no. I got to tell you guys something. Just for shits and giggles. I have a death metal band now, and it's awesome. Oh, is it called Is it called Murder? It's called Murder. That's Murder. what all those kids were talking about today. Yeah. Twitter. Yeah, okay. And I went and recorded um, a demo, and I played all the instruments. So if there's anyone out there in the SoCal area that wants to play some death metal with me, um, hit me up. I can't even Brother. begin to tell you that if I was anywhere near SoCal that I would be there in RP. But hell yeah. I'm nowhere near SoCal. I have the I have the equipment and I have the the desire to be in a death metal band, but it's just not happening for me. Uh, so you just woke up this yeah. morning and you decided you were gonna do this and you just went out and did it? No, it was a couple weeks ago. Oh, I nice. woke up and I was getting bummed out because my Creeperson horror punk band is just so fun and lighthearted. Yep. And um, I've been writing some really dark shit, and I don't want to turn Creeperson into a super dark band. Sure. So, besides us, do you have to do some kind of a secret identity to fool everyone else so that they can keep you separate from your Creeperson persona? In the death metal band? Yeah. No, I'm still going to be Creep. Oh, okay. Or I could be like Zeronifus. There you go. And wear corpse paint and shin guards. What yeah. flavor of death metal is it? Is it, uh, is it, is there, is it a subgenre within the subgenre of death metal? Well, when I was at the studio, the producer was like, I don't even know what the fuck to call this. And he said, he's <laughs> is like, that a good or bad like, thing? I don't know, because it's, like, <laughs> it's kind of like Napalm Death and Bolt Thrower. And okay. then I listened to and I'm like, no, it's not like that at all. But, like, because I've been listening to a lot of um, Six Feet Under and Cannibal Corpse, but yeah. I've also been listening to a ton of black metal, like um, Dark Throne and Bathory and shit like that. So it's, like, kind of black metal-y death metal. Cool. Is there, is there any Opeth in there? No... Not quite yet. Eric, you're an Opeth fan? That's fantastic. I'm kind of down that that trajectory. Yeah, yeah. I've been um, really digging into the old, old... Like, I've been listening to a lot of Death and Possessed and Sodom and Hellhammer. um, Just some, like, old, gnarly death metal and black metal. Some Burzum and Mayhem. It's been... Good times. Mayhem. Mayhem. There now, now there's a band you want to hang out with. Right. Any suicide in there? Um, not it's yet. Probably, it's probably a little still too here. Yeah. A little too early. <laughs> <laughs> We're peaking too soon. <laughs> okay, but anyway. So well, that's now very... that splooge is awesome. splodge. Oh, by the way, I just wanted uh, to say not only does Jalloscore.com have uh, 254 likes on its Facebook page, thank you everyone, thank you. But um, wait, I'm trying to find the effects here. But I can also say that we've celebrated our 50th film. Hooray! Yay! Where is uh, the sound effects? You bastards! <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm I'm really excited. 
<laughs> That's a nice hat. I'm really excited about um, what's going on next because we've reached this milestone of 50, um, 50 films on the site. I've already been working on the section that I think I'm going to be calling trends. I'm trying to come up with one word that would fit in the navigation of the site that would that would basically convey what the section is and it's going to be a section of graphs and charts and and analysis of the first 50 films um, and I've already done a little bit of work on it so um, call it nerd nerd yeah or, or geek out or something yeah um, so you know I think the next at least the next two out of three films are already on the site um, you know I know that um, Eric's next pick is uh, Seven Deaths in a Cat's Eye, which I have not put on the website yet. But other than that, I'll have plenty of time to finish up. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about um, what the data is looking like. I know that it's going to be completely um, stupid when it comes out because it's going to be like, well, it, it serves no purpose. But it's really interesting to see, you know, taking like the five big directors and graphing out of the jolly that they um, directed that's that's been scored how many of them have black gloves or how many of them have uh, an urban lo uh, location or how many of them have J&B bottles and so on and so forth so um, you know this thing could go for it could go very far unfortunately I'm or, or fortunately, depending on your point of view, I'm probably just going to pick five or six really um, interesting pieces of data and put those on uh, the page up front and see how it uh, how it does. Um, but so look for that in the uh, next couple of weeks. Maybe are you going to do a thing where it's how many Edwidge nipples per film are in each movie on average? Well, um, that's a great idea. And thank you for suggesting that. No, um, <laughs> I'm really kind of <laughs> doing analysis on the, the scoring criteria and then matching it up with like directors or uh, composers or the year. Um, but that's a good idea. Can so. you go on SlideShare and make a PowerPoint? Yeah, I mean, well, what, what I'm doing... I mean, there's, there's a, a, a modern way of doing this sort of thing on the web, which... Um, I haven't invested enough time in, which is basically to have it on the fly uh, generate graphs and charts on your web page so that as data changes, the graphs will change, which obviously makes sense. Ooh. I'm not going that route. Um, I'm basically tying an Excel spreadsheet to my database and then having Excel generate the graphs and then taking the images of the graphs and putting them on the website. So it's kind of a manual process, but it'll be cool. I'm going to make it look cool at least. Yeah. So it'll be fun. Some Visio charts and spreadsheets and some Visio charts. There you go. Little, little uh, flow flow diagram. Sure. But yeah, I'm 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 pretty uh, amazed that. Um, I've seen pretty... a flow diagram on a maxi pad. <laughs> I'm pretty amazed that the website has gotten to 50 films. Um, I never expected it to get that far. Or maybe I guess I did, but I didn't think that it would get that far that quickly. And um, it's pretty weird that the 50th film is this one, the one we're covering tonight, because it's so different in a lot of ways, but yet 
kind of falls into place in a lot of other aspects. So we'll be talking about that soon. Yeah, kind of summarizes everything we've done up to this point. Yeah, pretty cool. Well, alrighty. Let's go ahead and jump into the listener top ten, because I know you guys are very weighted with bated breath here. And I'm going to tell you something. There's some shockers in here. Oh, yeah? I saw some shockers in the group. Some shockers like this. See, I knew he was going to do that. (laughs) Okay, so at number 10... Isn't this also some symbol for one of the college like basketball teams? Because I know there was like a whole controversy where, like George oh, Bush, okay. I think Put it was like down. George Bush was was giving the shocker hand single signal because it was like um, either a, a lacrosse team or a basketball team. And everybody's like, oh boy, the president's giving the shocker. Who was he giving it to? Well, like, like everybody from the team, like that's their hand signal I'm for joking. their team. Oh, he, he oh I see. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I right. have to learn after forty-one episodes that your questions are always loaded and not to answer loaded. Them. Yeah, um, and I'm really dry, so that's awful. Okay, so this was the first shocker. This one shocked me. At number ten, we have. Forbidden photos. Hmm. What, what's the uh, number of people participating here? I can't tell you that. Okay. Is it what? Astronomical. No, no, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no it's not. Doing it. <laughs> you wouldn't um, to make her do the poll. Astronomical. Astronomical. Number nine, we have footprints on the moon. Okay. See, that I one makes more sense. That would be low. Forbidden yeah. photos. I don't see how Forbidden Photos is that offensive that it would round out at 10. Or even that boring. Right. Like footprints, love or hate, but yeah. Weird. At 8, we have Red Queen kill seven times. Oh, man. That's good. (laughs) That's a piece of shit. I stand by it. (laughs) At 7. I think you, you skewed that when you went on your rant. At seven, we have aptly seven bloodstained orchids. There we go. Boom. I'm okay with not being that low. Um, at six, we have so sweet, so dead. Hmm. At five, we have the New York Ripper. See, I, thought, now, I think didn't we all have that for number five too? I think yeah. we did too. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> that is like the most average film ever. <laughs> right. I, th- I thought a lot of people. Um, liked So Sweet, So Dead when we talked about it and they showed like support for it on the group, but... I thought so, too. Maybe there's some but strong ones. not. Yeah. <clears throat> there were some people who really didn't like it, like, at all. Um, at number four, we have Death Walks at Midnight, hmm. which I'm surprised to see higher than a couple of these other ones. But here's the real shocker. <laughs> at number three, we have The Bat. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I know wow. I didn't see that one code on, on the group for that one, so. Um, and then the top two, number two, we have Opera. Which, yeah. I, <laughs> and number one, don't touch that duck. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So good job, listeners. Good job yeah. picking a list that's completely different than ours. Ah, <laughs> come on now. No, that was good. Uh, I, I think, think we need to uh... New York Ripper being five all across everything. It's just that's good stuff that cracks me up. That's exactly how that movie feels too. It feels like it's not really great, but it's not bad either. Mm-hmm. And that and that's how I've always kind of watched it, like with a semi-guilty pleasure. But then uh, when you get into like kind of start scrutinizing it for some sort of value other than its exploitative uh, aspect, it doesn't really hold much water. <laughs> yeah, it's no sister of Ursula, that's for sure. Right? That's for sure. So, what is Sister Ursula? Not much. Yeah. <laughs> Dagmar. Dagmar. I like Dagmar. Yeah. All right. So, um, <clears throat> without any further papoo, I think we should try to find out what color exactly the strange color of your body's tears are. Somewhere now, between here, green and red. Here's a question. <laughs> Do you think that title was something that was just a bunch of words put together to make it sound really weird and jally-like? Or do you think that it has something to do with something at the very last scene? Hmm. Spoiler. I think probably both. I think both. Well, not only that, but we should probably start out by saying that there's no way that you can spoil this film. Right? I mean... Oh, I think you can. Like, what would be the spoiler? Like, talking about the, the very last bit of, of... Who the killer is and why they were killing people? Well, who's the killer? The landlord. Which one was the landlord? The bald guy that the cops saved from getting killed by the naked chick. He's the killer? Yeah. Explain yourself. <clears throat> At the end of the movie, when they had the three things, and it was the cop, the main guy, and the, the landlord, yep. he had his book, and he put his girlfriend's picture or whatever in the book, and then yep. shut it, and it said Laura. Right. And later, when the main guy went into the attic looking around for something, or not the main guy, the cop, right. he found that book, and he opened it up. And it had the picture of the girl. It had the picture of the main guy's girlfriend. It had the picture of the chick he was banging downstairs. And then he realized, like, oh, my God, Laura, the L on the door. And then when it went back to the flashback of the little girl at the end of the movie, not the little girl, but the teen girl, the kid in there was a different kid than the other two kids that were in there, and she had blood going down her leg. And then It was a different kid, right. See, I, I just, the I just color of her body's tear was her menstruate, and he didn't understand that, and it triggered something in him to kill. Mm. That's a very basic wow. way to do it. Yeah. Okay. I see Movie that. spoiled. I dig it. I totally dig that. Make sure you get the minute and second stamp that you announced that, so you can post that at the beginning of the show. Uh, it's really early on in the show. <laughs> Fast forward if you can. But the thing so that, that was really neat about it was that it wasn't just about the red herrings. It was about these three men 
and their fascinations and obsessions with these women and what it did to their lives. Sure. See, that part I understood. So I just That couldn't... was really neat how they did that. Yeah. I couldn't grasp the... I, I was trying really hard with this one to follow along because I admittedly didn't do that with our last film. Uh, this one, and I still got thrown off by that last scene. I just I couldn't put it together, and I should have probably watched this movie more than once instead of saving it till last night. But um, so yeah, upon second watch, I think I could I could catch that. So let, let's if we can deconstruct then maybe going backwards from the last scene because creep you kind of explained it pretty well. So I remember because I went through it a second time today, and I went through it. Um, with the with the with the sound off, um, because the sound design in this film is just it's so it's so well done. But at the same time, I got a little bit tired of hearing those sounds of the leather, like the the really tight leather creaking, along with the creaking of doors and the creaking of paper and the creaking of like it was it's all like right in your ears, like right in your face. Yeah. And I like the way that they did that, but I think they overdid it a little bit. Um, so I, I turned the sound off. I had the subtitles still going because you needed them anyway because it was in French. Um, and I put the speed on uh, 2x because uh, I have a I have a copy of it as an AVI file. So I was watching on the computer, and the film does not lose much going twice as fast. Now to really get the full like atmosphere and and feeling and mood and really appreciate the the cinematography and all of the special effects and all of the art house aspect to the film you got to watch it on regular speed but to try and like go through the second time and look at the scenes and look at what's going on um, I didn't feel like I missed anything going at twice as fast and that's pretty much because it's a slow film um, there's a lot there's a lot going on and there's a couple of scenes that really pick up the pace and make the tension interesting, but then there's a lot of like kind of downtime. But anyway, um, like I have I have some things to say about that. But what I really wanted to know from you guys was, so we get towards the very end of the film, and the cop goes into one of these rooms, and it's just nothing but plastic on the walls everywhere and blood, and it's. It's the girl with the black hair. Now, there's two girls with black hair. One of them is the girl who's in the black and white scenes who gets killed yeah. with the knife on the top of her head. And the yeah. other girl with the black hair is the girl from the roof in the beginning yeah. who, who has that weird scene where she's got the incense and she, she cuts glass and she lays down on top of, of Dan and and has that weird thing with the blue liquid or blue dot blue pills or whatever so anyway it's her and she's it's one of those two and she's hanging upside down it's the first girl you said it's the first girl yeah, the, yeah. right the girl that's in the black and white scenes now is that yeah. laura that's the laura of the moment that's oh, okay got it so all of a sudden the detective looks up and he shoots at this mirror and it's dan standing behind it right yeah and then Dan falls over, and he's got a stab wound in his head already. Yeah. And then, um, as the detective is walking forward to see who just fell out, he gets stabbed through the head, through the back of the head, and through his mouth. I guess yeah. again by the, as you're saying, by the landlord. Is that right? 
Yeah. And then we just go to a final flashback. Because there's lots of flashbacks in this film, but like true, yeah. the true flashbacks are the ones that are kind of with the white background and like they, they're really like in the past. But you're right. The young boy... Well, those are the ones that are important to well, the character's motivations. So I guess the question then is, there's two other times when we go to that flashback and we see the young boy and the kind of teenage girl. That's um, Dora. That's uh, Dan's ex-girlfriend who he found in his room, the lady with the white hair. Right. And she's he's like, like way, way older than him. Yeah, so she was obviously pediddling his skittle when he was way l- little. Yeah, she was the Barbara Boucher. Yeah. This relationship. <laughs> oh, I but see. the thing that was funny, uh, not funny, but weird, was that when the cop froze, the cop froze because the stab wound on top of Dan's head looked like the vagina he saw in the porno when he was right. a kid. And oh, so that was that, just so that scene. So that scene, was that the... Um, so that, that flashback like, scene, that was supposed to be the cop looking at the at the porno? Yeah, that showed like his um, where he first became like a voyeur. Because the cop was the same guy who was behind the mirror taking pictures of that girl. Right. Yeah. And so we, the only thing that we really... Okay, that makes sense. So, so how do we explain the scene in the beginning with the guy with the beard who's was taking video of, of uh, and the and the guy uh, the, the guy you know it starts off with the record playing in the background and the guy gives the girl some jewelry and then yeah. and then he, and then he follows the girl uh, in the in the in the town square and it turns out to be a little girl and she drops all of her candy on the floor like what like what was I know that that was the cop telling a story to Dan. Yeah, about something that happened in but the, the past. But the reason why the cop knew that story is because he was that guy. He was so the, so the cop already knew that people could live in the walls of that building because he had been doing it prior, taking pictures of that girl for that other guy. So the to so the bearded guy in the flashback is actually the cop. Yeah. But oh, the uh, bearded guy who dies in the wall, talking to him through the bathroom wall. That was just a red herring guy who was there to basically tell him, yeah, Laura had secrets and, she, and your wife knew about him and that's why she got... And then that guy gets killed. Right. So that guy was just the little red herring guy. Hmm. Interesting. That's pretty cool. I never thought of it... I never thought of the film, even after two viewings, to be that specific. I guess it's... I guess it's like when you're watching a film like this, you have to decide, do I really want to think that hard about it? And if you don't want to think that hard about it, then the film just becomes a bunch of vignettes that are interesting and fun well, to watch and look good. Using is because the movie's told from so many different points of view. Right. That it almost, and when it does change POVs, it almost changed the way... Um, the film shot because like when the chick which was arguably the coolest part in the whole fucking movie where the girl gets the hat box and opens the hat box and the hat like the dude comes out of the hat box yeah (laughs) like that was like the most fucking brilliant amazing shit I've ever seen it was really cool 
<laughs> and then she like jerks it, and then all of a sudden there's three killers to kill the yeah. killer. But like I think what's going on is is that the landlord is drugging these people, and they're having like hallucinations and shit, mm. and that's how he kind of gets away with doing all the shit that he's doing because every single person who was kind of trapped in that house whether it was the old doctor that retired that went missing or um, the main guy or the cop when the cop was taking pictures of that girl or whatever all of them were having situations that most would say they were being schizophrenic like the Dan kept fucking that dream sequence where he kept waking up and killing himself and then waking up and killing himself and then the whole thing was there's somebody inside but like it was referring to someone inside him trying to get out and all this other fucking weird shit right like that was all like almost every flashback that people had in this movie was uh, hallucinatory you know so right, right, that right. just made it fun to watch but confusing as shit for a while <laughs> yeah I think I heard a theory that and I don't know how this holds up now that I've heard a little bit more of what you've had to say but that all the women and all the men in this film were actually just two people different personalities I know you're talking about schizophrenia um, and I know that a symptom of that is sometimes multiple personality disorder I don't know if you think it goes that far, but um, that's kind of how I watched it, how I viewed it, but I think your explanation of it does make sense as far as a narrative, um, but it could also be viewed as this guy's just going nuts and the labyrinth of his apartment building um, that he's walking around is actually just his own mind and he's it's kind of like his that, own memories. It's kind of like that um, guy H.H. Holmes, I think is his name. The guy in Chicago that had the hotel. Oh, yeah. It was, was like a labyrinth, and he was just killing people who were staying there over and over and over. Yeah. Um, but because, like, it, for a while I was thinking that it had to be something where he was just crazy or something. But when you look at that book, there's a ton of girls' pictures in it. And yeah. some of them are girls we hadn't even seen yet. Right. So <clears throat> it makes me think that, like, the old lady whose husband disappeared, he was kind of going batshit. And I'm wondering if it was, like, something like he was putting something in the water, like the blue shit. Like, if he was just, like, poisoning everyone's water with hallucinogenics so he could go in and do shit. But I can't really remember many times when people were drinking unless he was, like, coming in their apartments when they weren't paying attention and dropping shit in their scotch or dropping shit in their tea. Or milk. Or... Or, yeah, or something like that. But um, that scene where the guy went upstairs and was looking through the hole, fucking hell. That was like... That was my favorite scene in the whole movie. That yeah. was so fucking good. That's a nightmare, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I was going to bring that up. Like, and, and they threw that in the beginning, and it was really tense and scary, and it's like, okay, so first he hears the noise while he's banging his wife, and then, like, he's become obsessed with trying to find out what this noise is, so much to the to the effect that he ties up his wife and drugs her, so I guess so she won't make any noise, 
or that yeah, she won't she won't off. disturb him from continuing his investigation. And then she wakes up again, and he's he's in he's been sucked into the ceiling. It's almost like it's almost like some sort of supernatural thing. Like you could explain it um, obviously uh, logically. Like he found a way up into that area, but really there's just one little hole in the ceiling in a circle, and he's up there, and just. The visuals, just the whole visuals of her being like right up against the hole and fishing, like fishing, feeding him up those long matchsticks that were lit up, and then like he's grabbing them, and it, it was just so tense and freaky and weird. And I was just waiting for her to get stabbed in the face. Yeah, or something to explode with because, or you know, like I, I, I didn't think I thought the matches were gonna really be like a, a bad thing, like him having the matches up there in the dark. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it just it just goes to show you like how effective the unknown aspect of these kinds of things is. You know, you watch this and you don't know what's on the other side of that circle, but you you're, you're terrified for yeah. the, for this woman and for the guy. And then you know the fact that they put that in the beginning, it kind of sucked because it really kind of hyped me up, and I thought that maybe the, the film was going to be. Um, it was going to continue to follow along in that vein of, of, of tenseness, and it really didn't. I mean, it, it was well-executed uh, scene, but it never really went anywhere. It was just kind of like you know this really cool vignette. And I feel like the movie is just you know full of vignettes, and um, I, I'm kind of before we started the the, the podcast here, I'm, I was kind of on feeling the same thing as as Eric, which was that. Uh, you know, all of the guys in the film were really the same guy, and um, Dan. Um, you know, he goes. He as soon as he comes home and realizes that the um, that his wife's gone, and he goes on that bender, and he has like three or four scotches in a row, with the record going around in a spiral, and it starts to go out of focus. Part of me feels like, you know, it's 2013, so this is kind of played out. But what if it was just, you know. As soon as he started drinking, he went on some sort of weird bender, and the rest of the film is just him hallucinating the rest of it. You know, it's kind of like who shot Jr. Oh, nobody did. He's he was just it was just a dream sequence. You know, it's kind of a cop out. Um, Spoiler. So I, I didn't really think that <laughs> I I didn't really think that that was what was happening, but I did think that there was something going on with the fact that in certain scenes you had to do a double take when you watched it because you were saying, well, which of those three guys is that and is that the guy with the beard is yeah, that the guy from downstairs is that the doctor is that Dan is it the landlord is it the detective they all kind of looked a, a bit the same and you can start talking about like you know doppelgangers and multiple personalities and 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 sort of like um, sickness of the mind kind of thing um, but I appreciate if 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 creep if your interpretation is more accurate um, and we really don't know unless you were to interview the, you know, the the filmmakers. But if your interpretation is more accurate, then I appreciate the film like ten times more because it does have something tangible to to hold on to as far as the narrative, as far as the, uh, you know, a final scene. And I may be able to go in and give the film a few more. <laughs> points. Yeah. But the killer got away, basically, is what we're saying, right? That's the whole thing, and it trips me out because it's like. The killer's never unmasked other than that flashback thing. And the killer gets away. And no one came 
freaking close at all to catching him. And that's the thing that cracks me up. It's like right. they weren't yeah. anywhere near close to catching him. And then the other thing that, like, I don't know if it, it troubled me or what, but I was even wondering if that cop was even a real cop. Because, like, he never had anyone else with him. And I can't remember a movie where the cop was by himself the whole time. Right. What was, the, sig- what was the significance of, like, the, the round makeup um, pads? Like It just smells like the chick that he was had fallen in love with through watching her. More so feminine he was, desire. He was in love with which, with which one? With the girl he was taking pictures of. Which was who? Which the girl, girl was that? who he shot. Oh, the girl who he shot. Okay. Gotcha. And so the... Right. Okay. And so yeah. the, the, the landlord, he was just obsessed with... Who was the girl in the red? I think the girl in the red was the landlord's chick. Right. Like That's what I think, too. Laura. The one in all like the, uh, the flashbacks where they did... It was more like still photography, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. I like those. I like. I like the different. Other black-haired chick. Yeah. Who was it? The chick you're talking about. Yeah. But that that was cool because they left the sound play normal. Yep. And a lot of times when movies do things with photographs, like the sound stops with the picture. You know, and that one the sound just played through the whole time. It was really kind of neat. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's really how you look at the past is through fo- photographs. So doing a flashback that way, at least that's what I perceived it was more of a flashback. I thought it was kind of interesting, but yeah, talking about the doppelgangers again, it's it's it almost seemed like it was purposeful that they did that. That they made all the they got the cast actors that all looked the same and. I think when you're talking about that scene in the beginning where he's looking through the small hole and it being tense, it, it was very tense and you kind of wanted to see more of that. But I think, to me, it was almost like looking back on it, it was like foreshadowing throughout the rest of the film because this uh, this whole imagery, not to sound too crude, but it just <laughs> continued throughout the film. Right. Which it obviously this whole, this whole film is about, um, you know female violence towards women and, and uh, turning it on its head and so you've got these these visuals of these men continually um, going through or penetrating these holes starting with the very small one and then eventually there's the wall sized one that uh, Dan walks through um, a couple times and, and then in the end they all get holes in their own head and through their mouth and everything and it's it's you know the men want to have this control they want to be the ones penetrating and uh they get what's coming to them at the end. Except the killer. Except for the killer. Right. Who we think is the killer. (laughs) Hasn't been proven. It has not. (laughs) So did you guys um, do any scavenger hunting? Because I found so many, like, very direct references to other Jolly. And obviously, the the music is one of them. Mm -hmm. The music is a direct lift. Like, I noticed... Um, there was a, a part from uh, Ritz, uh, Riz Ortolani, um, the, the end scene in um, the last movie we just did, Seven Blood, St. Orchids, when the, when, the, when the 
two main characters are walking away from the pool after that final battle, there's like before the credits roll, there's this kind of low, kind of mellow song with the flute playing. Yeah. That was in the film. And then there's a part of the film where it was from Torso. It was uh, this weird kind of organ. That part is from Torso. Um, and there was a bunch of other ones too. Like um, there was this one that has the riff from Inagata De Vida at, at one point. Um, but it's not the whole song. It's like they made this weird kind of tune and they just stole that one little riff and put it in there. I, I, I can't remember exactly what the what part that was in. Um, kind so of a, a funny thing with the music I just want to throw in before we move away from it. I was sitting there, because I was hearing, like you were saying, I was hearing all these recognizable tunes. And I was like, this movie could really use some um, that that theme from All the Colors of the Dark in it, that kind of almost western, spaghetti western theme. And then at the very end, after that last scene, it cuts and it goes to that big, uh, the big title splashes, and then all of a sudden the, all the colors of the dark theme music comes on, and I just <laughs> exactly. I melted in my seat. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? But yeah, I know. Yeah, I was thinking that, you know, I found so many different references. Like I found, you know, that, that one scene where Dan goes... So the first time that Dan finds the picture, it's like a drawing of the, of the painting. I guess, I don't know if we want to try and kind of decipher that whole thing, but so there's a painting of a girl with her, you know, she's, she's got her back to your, to your point of view and she's got uh, her hair going down and there's obviously, you can see where the area is that's going to end up becoming the hole that you know the killer is always stabbing with or it, it's also a um, you know a, 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 a vagina but also that particular painting was a drawing that Dan finds in the hat box and I don't know if you guys noticed this part where he's cleaning up his room and he's putting stuff away and every once in a while the hat box just keeps coming back yeah the hat box is there he picks it up he puts it away and then it fades out, or, or it fades to the next, like a kind of an edit, fade edit, and then the box is there again. So he finally opens it up and he finds a whole bunch of sex toys, um, like a ma- like a magic wand that vibrates and a, fun- a bunch of other weird things. But then he finds this picture, and when he first goes to unfold it, it's folded in such a way that it looks like a vagina. And then he unfolds it a little bit more, and it's actually a, a drawing of the girl. And then on the back, it's the number seven but maybe it's supposed to be an upside down L. And so he goes up to apartment number seven and that's where the girl from the rooftop lives, I guess. And there's a scene where um, there's like stained glass windows. I mean, there's stained glass windows all over the apartment, but there's a stained glass window of a peacock. And I thought it was the exact same one from Footprints on the Moon because there was this, there's a scene in Footprints on the Moon where um, the main the main character says something about can I have the room uh, in the front with the peacocks and she's actually referring to that other house that they eventually go to at the end of the movie. Yeah. But I went back and looked and it's not the exact same thing. It's just kind of a, a reproduction. Um, and there's a lot of that in the film. Like there's um, well, I put, that's just like the bird with the crystal plumage too. Yeah, like being the glass window and all that mm-hmm. other stuff. And then you know you've got the blue. Pills in the water, there uh, in from all the colors of the dark. Those were the vitamin pills. 
that they were given to Ed Witch. The knife up the crotch from Salon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and there's so many of them in there that I probably didn't notice them all. Like, there's one where um, Dan gets a delivery, and the camera pans down the phone cord, and it looks just like the one from Blood and Black Lace, which I think is, like, at the end of the movie. So, like, I found that to be kind of fun. Like, I don't think that the people who made this film did any sort of ripping off. Like, I think that they did it all kind of homage-like. Like, everything was yeah. done, like, in a, it, in a way where it was like, we're paying tribute to all these old films and how stylistic they are. And um, I was listening to, um, I think it's the podcast Under the Stairs. You guys listen to that podcast? Oh, yeah, with Duncan? Yeah. And they were talking about the same film, and I actually listened to it so that I could get somebody else's perspective on this. Um, Cheater. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they were talking about how um, they didn't think that the film was taking place in modern times until they got to the point where the cop takes pictures with his cell phone because everything else in the film seemed kind of either timeless or at least not modern. Like there was there was record players and there were like these reel to reel tapes where you could listen to yeah. um, the uh, the voice of the of Dan's girlfriend. Uh, but it wasn't until that moment where the guy took out took out the cell phone that those guys realized that hey this is taking place in modern times. So it's kind of like I think the filmmakers really wanted to to. I mean the whole thing was decorated with um, that whole um, mid century modern like flair to it like that 60s um amazingness yeah but it's I mean, all it, stuff you can buy at ikea now so it could have been yeah yeah it looked great dude it just but it didn't it didn't have that kind of you know that that kind of light-hearted semi-trashy giallo yeah. look like that you would see like in um strange vice or um case of the bloody iris like that kind of funky swinging 60s look it was all very gothic and very, um, you know, it, it was all kind of very formal kind of architecture. Uh, I mean, obviously gorgeous. I mean, I, it's it's hard to think of a film that looks and sounds better than this one that I've seen yeah. in a long time. I mean, it's you, you can't say enough for the technical brilliance of the film, and maybe that's why it needed two directors because it was so hard for, you know, hard to put together. Um, and I don't know, like I don't, I don't know enough about what modern technology has allowed filmmakers to do. But it seems like, you know, with the, you know, using the computer and the linear, uh, nonlinear video editing and that sort of thing, you can do a lot of stuff with special effects that you couldn't do before. But they didn't rely on any CGI. Um, it, formally, it was all just, you know, a lot of different angles and fast cuts and weird editing and sound design and well, set they had design. One, they had one green screen shot that was a little weird. Um, <clears throat> when you, that scene you were talking about with the hat box and it shot from above. Oh, yeah. And okay. he's, like, cleaning up the thing. He, like, comes up in front of the camera with the hat box and, like, puts it on a shelf that's kind of above your TV somewhere. Right. And then drops back down out of frame. And I was like, that was awkward. <laughs> it just looked weird, but but did you guys notice that when I guess when the cop goes into that room, I don't know if it's see I'm 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 getting things confused. I don't know if it was maybe it was the landlord. The landlord walks into the room and there's like how many hat boxes? There's like four or five hat boxes. 
and then at one point the hat box is only about as big as this and then later on it's as big as a regular size hat box so I mean it's hard taking now like the the kind of concrete interpretation of who the killer is and why and what was going on and now trying to go back and I'm thinking about all the, the imagery that was going on it's hard to um, figure out where some of this stuff gets placed in well, I, I want in reality. To watch it, like, knowing what I think I know now, watch it again and kind of see if there's any um, like, big, like, indicators. Yeah. Yeah, because it seems like there might be some kinks in the, in the theory, but... Watch it there, buddy. But that's okay, because it's a giallo, so... Yeah, <laughs> just about every one of these films has a kink in the theory. So, it, well, it is kind of funny how all you need to separate ripping something off and being a homage is a couple decades. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, it, I mean, I think and it has to look really nice. Yeah, and that too. And I and I think this does, like you said, comes off uh, really well as far as the imagery and. This is kind of a film that would obviously not have been able to be made technically, but also it wouldn't have been appreciated, I don't think, if it had been done around the time that these films were coming out. This is kind of a film for us geeks who make a podcast about it or listen to podcasts about it to break apart the imagery of a, a giallo film, which at the time was supposed to be a populist film, and we're looking at the the colors and the music and the things like that, and they they took those elements and they amped it up to a thousand thousand times to right. for for us people us geeks that really like it so with with that in mind it kind of does lose its universal appeal there's going to be people who aren't going to be able to watch this and understand or like or appreciate any of it and even giallo giallo fans aren't going to like it, a lot of this they're going to fall off the wagon as it's moving down the bumpy road and um, not catch back up. But, My uh, whole yeah. thing is, is if you like Footprints on the Moon and you like House of Laughing Windows and you don't like this movie, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> like, I'm just going to come out and say it. But Then I'm safe because I like both those movies and I love this one. Well, I, th- I, I think I it's harder it. to draw a, a parallel with House, from, House with Laughing Windows because, I mean, that film was a little bit avant-garde, but it kind of followed, you know, somewhat of a straight path, and it wasn't as slow-moving as this, although it was pretty slow. Um, but I can see where, you know, Le Orme and this movie kind of are definitely, you know, go hand-in-hand hand almost, because Le Orme is very kind of abstract, and it's, it's a thinking person's film, and you get to the end, and it's like, well, there's an interpretation, but it might not necessarily be the only one. And I think if they would have said who the killer was, this movie would have been a lot better received. And I think that's sad because I yeah. think it, I think it did its job nicely. Well, most of the the reviews that I've read and any of the information that I've gotten on this film is that most people think that the film that came before this one is better. And I haven't seen it yet. It's called A Mayor. I haven't seen it, so it's by the same two directors. Yeah. So. Um, they, it's kind of like they took a mare and they amped it up like ten times over for this Strange Colors film. So not having seen a mare, I'm assuming that if you were to de-amp or unamp or amp it down, if that's the right thing to say, um, by ten, ten times, you would have a film that was like visually 
appealing, but maybe the story is a little bit more um, kind of straightforward or linear. I don't know. Um, but I would definitely, I definitely want to watch it. Because um, I have. Yeah, I, I want to see it too. I haven't seen it. The only one of the Neo Jalo type movies I've seen is, besides this, is that Barbarian Sound Studio. And that was so fucking god awful. Yeah, I heard that got a big. From the Dude, I absolutely <laughs> hated it. Uh huh. Yeah. But I anyhow. Think, I think film as an art form, if we're going to get geeky and nerdy, it, sh- it deserves to be watched multiple times. Or the films do the good ones, and it's sad that if, that people want to dismiss this film if they don't understand it right away. I didn't understand it. I still technically don't understand it, and I would love to go back and watch watch it again and, and see if I can figure it out. And I think that they they took the capabilities of what film can do and they they went with it, and I I really appreciated that. I think I'm gonna make the kids watch it tonight and see what happens. Oh yeah. But that's the thing, though, because, you know, Jolly, as much as it's a very specific kind of film, it it has a polarizing effect depending on how lighthearted or not lighthearted the film is. And Mm -hmm. so it's very easy to take a film like um, uh, uh, Case of the Bloody Iris or Strip Nude for Your Killer and have those two films kind of get people to uh, understand what Jolly is and, and start to get some fans and then you throw a movie like this at them and of course you know it's a neo Jolly, so you know there's a lot of other aspects of it that that don't really apply because um, it's you know 40 50 years later but um, you know it's it's not for everybody in that like I said before when you sit down to watch this film um, you can't watch it with the same kind of haphazard, um, you know, viewing approach as you would a strip nude because, you know, you, you can watch strip nude and, and not necessarily pay 100% attention to it and still get an enjoyment out of it and still understand what's going on. Um, you have this, to quit downplaying strip nude for your killer. It is a thinking <laughs> man's film. All okay. right, so, so you could watch Eyeball... No, but I mean, and again, if we go back to, you know, history, these films were all made for these audiences that really weren't paying attention that much, that were kind of in the theater and maybe would come in late or maybe they'd hang out and be socializing while they watched the film. So a film like Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, I mean, there's a couple of times in that film where if you look away... Um, you miss something big. Like the first time I watched it, I didn't see the part where he woke up and his wife's head is next to him. Mm. And then there was a couple more times in the film where there was close-ups of her head, but because they were so close up, I thought maybe he was just hallucinating that she was alive again, or maybe he was having visions of what she looked like, but really he was picking her head up, like her decapitated head. I I got a text message during one of the scenes when the cop was talking to him. And I took my eyes away from the screen for like three seconds and felt like, what happened? I don't understand anything. <laughs> the whole film has been ruined. And go back. And <laughs> I only missed like two lines, but right. like, I was like completely confused. So yeah, you got to pay attention. Yeah, so that's that's why it's hard to recommend it to everybody because, you know, it, 
it reminded me of, of David Lynch for sure. It reminded me a lot of um, Mulholland Drive. It had that feel to it of just like this hallucinatory, you know, these characters, or even Lost Highway, like the character is the same character, but it's a different character, but it's it's in a dream, or maybe it's another, you know, hallucination within a dream. Um, and, and, and Dan looked a little bit like w Willem Dafoe, and so I'm kind of thinking like, you know, I'm watching this David Lynch film with Willem Dafoe in it, and then, you know, uh, as it goes on and the, the well, violence makes some sense because the movie Laura, I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's a uh, noir. It's amazing. It's a really, really great movie, but um, that was one of David Lynch's favorite movies, which she named Laura Palmer after. So oh. if, if these guys are fans of Lynch's stuff and the company that put it out, it's the same company that puts out David Lynch's stuff over there. So, um, I could see some parallels there. Hmm. What if David Nerd. Lynch made a okay. film? I like it. I think he did, and I think it was... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Blue Velvet? You, you could say so many of his movies were very Jalo-esque. Oh, yeah. But... Frank Booth like is a perfect Dune. Italian character. <laughs> right? Paps Blue Ribbon! But, right. Um, no, I seriously love this movie, and the whole time I was watching it, I'm like, okay, this movie's almost two hours long. <laughs> Fifteen minutes into it, I'm liking it, but it still has plenty of time to piss me off. Right. And I kept checking the, the clock. I'm like, okay, I'm a half hour in, and still liking it. They could still fuck me here. And then when I thought the movie was about to end, and I checked, and there was 14 minutes left... I'm like, great, here it comes. They're going to do something so yeah. fucking stupid that I'm going <laughs> to fucking hate this movie. Yeah, when, sure when, shit, they didn't. Like, yeah, when I, Dora I, came back, I was a little pissed. Then I had to look at the clock. Dora's the old woman. Right. This is it, right here. And then I had to look at the yeah. clock. Oh, good, there's 15 minutes left. Because I thought her. they were going to say she was the killer. And I'm like, yeah. no fucking way. Yeah. It freaking... Critchety old freaking arthritis <laughs> running around killing. But everybody. she was the one who left the flowers, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I do but appreciate that I they used like the raspy voice for her at the beginning and kept her in a shadow, and so you wouldn't know that it was her until the end. I, that was I don't know if that was the same old lady. I don't think so. Because that old lady was the old lady with the guy who disappeared with the hole in the ceiling. Yeah, she had a different kind of a face, and her hair okay. was longer, and part of her hair was like black, and part and of it she was had silver. like a like a lemmy chunk on her face right here. Oh, I missed the lemmy. Dora chunk. had like <laughs> a fake mole right there. But that's, I mean, the, clearly that's all done on purpose. Like every one of the every one of the females in the film has like another kind of mirror image of themselves except for Edwidge who we never really see other than in pictures or in flashbacks but the 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 brunette from the from the roof and the brunette who's I guess is Laura from the um, from the flashback scenes in black and white they kind of look the same and the old woman looked the same and the detective and Dan looked the same to a certain and when the extent. detective had a beard he almost looked like the other guy with the beard right yeah. So I mean, and and the I, landlord looked like uh, Peter Boyle from Young Frankenstein, but we won't talk about that because that's not very important. Well, and I think my first time through, I didn't even recognize that there was a third man 
I mean, there was a third, the third man that I, you know, there was a third man if you count the guy who was doing all the videotaping in the flashback, but the guy who played the landlord, I don't think I even noticed him because I was so much concentrating on Dan and the cop and trying to figure out which one was which, depending on which scene it was, because of the way they had the scenes lit and everything. The only big indicator for me was that he was the only one who acknowledged that Laura was real to him until the guy with the beard said that she was. He's like, yeah, that Laura girl. And he's like, yeah, Laura used to live here years ago, but she's probably really old now. You know what I'm saying? I don't remember that scene. What what, what part was that? Was that when all three um, of them were talking to each other? He came in once because he said there was someone in his apartment. And he came in there and said, you got to quit bugging the tenants or else I'm going to kick you out of here. Right. And then he came in again and kicked them out. Well, I remember that they went... He he the, was during the kick-out scene. I remember he and the detective went down to the bottom floor because Dan thought that the bearded guy was down there. And the landlord gets on the phone, and then you see on the other end of the phone is the woman in all red, and then she hangs up. And then the next scene, the three of them, along with the guy who lives in the bottom apartment they're all talking and all of a sudden like somebody pokes their head through the door and it's the woman in red and then she shuts the door real quick that's when i got a text like during that <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst possible time yeah yeah good times yeah just turn off I your the phones it's the best movie i've seen in a fucking long time dude that's good to hear Maybe people it's will stop voting for my deal of approval. Yeah. I really like that um, clear vinyl record that that woman had. Hell yeah. That was, was really like cool. hypnotizing people or some shit. Is, is a Murder's first LP going to be clear? Clear vinyl? Or is that going to be only so. limited? It's going to be clear vinyl with blood splattered all over it yeah. and a severed head. And some innards. There's only so, gonna be like a hundred copies of that release. And maybe we'll even put some music on it. <laughs> so, so the woman who was taking guys back into her room and giving them blue pills and 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 stabbing them with pieces of glass was that supposed to be like a, a misdirection or some sort of red herring? Like maybe she's the killer, or like what? Well, I think everyone what was that all about. Yeah. Every yeah, single person had some, like, weirdness. I thought one of the coolest things was was that when the cop um, played the tape the way, the speed it's supposed to be played at, right. it was his wife's voice saying that she wanted to kill him. Instead of him thinking it was, like, some man trying to kill him kind of thing. Right. Yeah, that was, like, pretty awesome. That was cool, but I think that I realized right away that it was it was the... It was Edwidge talking on that tape, even when it was slowed down. Like I, th I thought it was Edwidge to begin with, talking about how she hated her husband or whatever. Why the fuck would she record herself spilling the beans of her plan? Why? Come on now. Because it why? made for a good movie. <laughs> why would that? Why would that woman, uh, every time she put her head down to continue the oral sex? Uh, after she came back up, her eyes would change to a different color, and that color represented the 
the ring that was on her finger that she turned backwards and then eventually slashed the guy's throat with. Right? I think, I think she slashed his wing. She gave him a little bit of this with the mouth on it, with the... the yeah. Velociraptor claws. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. How did, how did um, the inspector get the uh, scratches on his neck? Did they ever explain that? Because he came in the beginning and he said, you know... Yeah, I don't think they did. Yeah, okay. But we, he also didn't explain what was in those candies that were, like, eating his leg. And when he put his hand in his pocket... More blue pills. And it's all... <laughs> do you remember that? It's all... Yeah. And he put his hand in his pocket and it's all bloody coming out. That was fucking horrendous, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely... I'm going to watch it again right now. It's got... Like, yeah. It, it needs it needs so I'm many hurt. rewatchings. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So we all like it. That's cool. I, You know, and it's funny because I didn't know... You know, I had heard so many different things about the film and uh, not knowing what I was going to think about it. Um... And, I thought and, I was gonna hate the shit out of this movie. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't go in with a completely clear mind. I went in thinking I wasn't gonna like it, or that it was just gonna be too artsy fartsy for me to care about it. But um, it turns out that uh, after watching it a second time, that there's a lot going on. And listening to those guys um, at the um, podcast under the stairs talk about it, it helped, you know, um, give me some more perspective. So kudos like to those it? guys. Yeah, they both liked it. They 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 basically have the same conclusion as we did, which is, you know, um, if you're looking for a light-hearted kind of jalo to sit down with on a Saturday with a bunch of your friends and some beer, this isn't it. Again, um, not everything's eyeball. Right. You can't have eyeball have every time. Specify you sit down. that every week. I wish that. Is there a better copy of Eyeball? Because the copy I have is is crap, and I really wish. I like the copy I have. It's just a little washed out yeah it's just kind of yellowy but i love it yeah we're shameless on that one they can release sister versala yeah really oh i should watch that again yeah you should make a night of it get a little bit of dagmar on me yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think uh we'll see what the listeners think about this one i think it does play the strengths of it will play well to the audience that uh, listens to this show. Hopefully, we'll find out, I guess. Um, we were wrong on a couple of accounts as we found out at the beginning of the show, but I think that the people out there will like it if they like if they really, really like Jolly Films and can point you out... You guys are going to love this. Just yeah. smile a little bit. Mark, You know what? Like I, I had a peach iced tea, a plate with cheese and crackers on it, <laughs> my notebook and my pen, and a bag of Sour Patch Kids. Oh, was like man. I was having such a nice time. I was on my new couch. It's all night. <laughs> that but, sounds great. Yeah, and it was quiet. My daughter only came in when the old man was fucking his wife. Because <laughs> <laughs> she always comes in when something naughty is going on. Right. But it's and, probably the most um, that was scene in the film. Yeah, that was the only time she walked in. <laughs> so... It was it was a good experience. I wanna I wanna do it again right now. You're right. All right. So we all liked it. Yeah, we all liked it. And oh, and um, 
before we leave, let's uh, just real quick, as far as the Jallo score is concerned, um, the film got a 59. That's which, awful. Which I found was, which I thought was pretty good for a film that I had no idea what the hell was going on. I was going to say relatively, though, 59. Can't you need to that. fix that, sir. Well, um, <laughs> real quick, if we don't, uh, if, if we have a moment, let me just. Um, is it one of those that kind of misses the big ones because it wasn't made in you know the mid seventies by one of the big three right. or big five? That's part of it, absolutely. Um, but it, it does get some points because one of the things is um, it gets points if the director has done another jolly, okay. which in this case it did. So. Um, the director's not Italian. It's not from the classic period. Um, the motivation for the killer was psychological trauma, right? We could say yeah. that, as opposed to blackmail. Um, the killer avoids capture, right? Yeah. Um, but the the avoid capture criteria is they were either uh, accidental death or suicide or killed by a police or other character. And in this case, the killer just kind of gets away. Killed everybody. I can't give it any points. He didn't even get away. He just killed everyone who was coming to look for him. <laughs> he just outsmarted them. You don't have There's an no outsmart. <laughs> <laughs> really? So the the location was not Italian. It was it was in where was it? What was the? It was France. an urban location, but was it like in Paris or something? I'll okay, say maybe France. Would you say that I there love was? inside that house in that yeah, building. It, it was great. Totally oh, did. So awesome. Do you think that the killer had an accomplice or was there more than one killer? Mm, the multiple personality thing. I don't think so. I don't know. No. I don't think there was, but... I say if it's on the line... Again, I'm not no. God. So. And I can't give it credit for being having a composer of... Morricone or Nicolai because there's oh yeah man yeah but it's that's really like those guys did the whole thing you know oh um, oh now he's just making rules up as he goes <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to beat eyeball yeah, so it looks like it's sitting at fifty nine <laughs> yeah I don't want it to beat eyeball you're right yeah I think it's gonna stay at fifty nine okay all right. Well, on Netflix, it has three stars. Bunch of snobs. Right. I remember seeing it on Netflix with a lot lower than three stars. So I don't know. Maybe it's changed. Well, hopefully we could get get it up to four stars by the end of the week. I think it's doing pretty decent on Letterboxd. I don't know how many people use that or still use that, but it's kind of like a movie logging site. And I think it was... Well, they do a five-star rating, and I think it was in the fours in general. So, Ruby. Well, right on. So now we are going to let you guys know what the poll for the next movies we're going to do is. So, drum roll, please. And I, first off, I want to thank Eric for putting the poll up because I forgot to do it. I knew you'd get around Thanks, to it. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> I just wanted to look important. 
All right. So the winner and the movie we're going to do next week is Case of the Scorpion's Tail. All right. Back to Yeah, Sergio Martino, right? So we still have two Martino films to do. This one and the 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 ultimate one. The ultimate. We're we're holding off. We've been doing really good holding off on the big ones. Yeah. I'm really proud of us. Well, I was thinking maybe episode 50 needs to be a big one. I thought episode 50 would be a clip show. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you've been you've started on it already. <laughs> we need 10 episodes to get ready for it. Um also, number 2 the one movie we're going to do after that is Death Laid an Egg. Holy shit. Which means, again, Eric's pick got last. Uh, which is, um, what is it? Something Deaths in the Cat's Eye? Seven Deaths in a Cat's Eye. Yeah. Seven Deaths in a Cat's Eye. I think eye. once people found uh, out it was like in a castle... They don't want anything to do with it. Seven Deaths in a Cat's Eye is fun. It's really ridiculous, but it, I think I remember it being a fun film. So yeah. I've only seen it once, and it was a long time ago. So I'm looking forward to watching that one again. And it'll be fun for that one to be number fifty-one on Jalo score because uh, the other two have already been scored. So well, that's the only one out of the three that I haven't seen. So I'm looking forward to it. And I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about Death Laid an Egg. <laughs> I'm going to lay an egg on it. You're, you're going to love it, Eric. You're going to love it the most. I won't. I won't It'll be like Pulp point. Fiction. Yeah. You dig it the most. <laughs> All right. Okay, guys. Well, that means... That was fun. From here, I say ciao, ciao, and they say... From the East Coast to the West Coast, and somewhere and in between. In between. <laughs> I'm in a nice sandwich here. He's in Murderapolis. <laughs> Pretty close. Breaking up fights like River Phoenix and Stand By Me. <laughs> we all know how that ended. <laughs> all right. No, no uh, switch plays are pulled. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're safe, sir. Thank you. Okay, so until next time, everybody, ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Mille novecentoventi. Golem, di Paul Wegener ed Henry Galen. Mille novecentoventisei. La corazzata Potiomkin di Sergei Eisenstein. Mille novecentotrenta. M, il mostro di Düsseldorf di Fritz Lang. 1931, l'età dell'oro di Luis Buñuel. Quattro film, quattro capolavori della violenza. Oggi è Sergio Martino che ci ripropone la stessa violenza espressiva del primo cinema con... La coda dello scorpione.